0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents, Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again today. I trust you have been following as we almost always are teaching some kind of a series. It's impossible in a 30 minute segment to just unpack a lot of the revelation that God wants to share with you through our ministry. So we encourage you to set your DVR and your uh, device, whatever, that you could record this and be able to watch it again. Uh, I didn't mention this on the last one, but I want to, but I hate to take a lot of time in the front because I don't want you to get bored and then turn the channel and miss what we're about to say. But if you missed any of our programs, we have a YouTube channel that you can watch it on demand. Uh, There's also apps for your phone that you can get where you can watch uh, on the different networks we're on both on Impact and on uh, GEB America. There's apps for both of them. The easiest way to do it, though, is just watch it on YouTube because it's on demand. Easiest way to do it. Very easy. Go to linhouse.com. In the upper right-hand corner, tap on the YouTube, and it'll take you directly to our ch- our page or our channel. Or go like us on Facebook. My public profile is Linhouse Ministries, and we will post the video there every week. And there is also, while you're there on the website, there is a RSS feed for your Android device if you want to listen to the audio portions. And there is also an iTunes where you can go there and listen to it, download it on your phone and listen to it streaming in your car. The audio portions are available to you. And I think uh, that would be a valuable resource to you. While you're there, our website also has a whole host of products and series that we've taught, books, CDs, different things like that, and you can get them there by simply going uh, to uh, that page and going down through it. I want to get back in the Word here today. We've been talking about the Gospel of John, and we've been in 1 John for the last two weeks. This will be the third week we're dealing with First uh, the chapter of John. And what we've done is we've been making a comparison between uh, John 1.1 1, 1, and Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. And we showed you that this powerful, powerful comparison where the Old Covenant again and the Old Testament is a shadow and the New Covenant was the substance. Everything in creation according to Romans 1 God said so that every man is without excuse because the things that were created are plainly declaring God so that you are without excuse whether you have a Bible or a preacher or not. Everything is screaming God to you. Now let me just say that when you see that, that if all of that was the beginning Uh, of the creation of God shows you a natural historic creation, but it's much more than that. I think where we get bogged down in fighting over theology and the validity of the Word is when we try to take spiritual things and we try to take a book that is meant to be redemptive and spiritual and try to make a math book or a history book out of it. It's much more bigger. For instance... The Ark of Noah is much more bigger than can we fight over whether there was a real boat or, or uh, animals in the boat. I, I believe there was a real boat, but nevertheless, the deal is simply this. That boat of Noah is a picture of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. He is our vehicle out of an old world dominated by sin and chaos, if you listened to last week's program. And what births us and brings us forth into a new world where, where, where uh, uh, you know, it, it, it is a, uh, a place where, like Noah, you find grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I, I don't want to go into the typology of the Ark of Noah except to tell you that all through the Scriptures, whether it's a woolly lamb and Egypt's misty garden, not Egypt's misty garden, I'm sorry, and Egypt's bondage, That Lamb was a picture of the true Lamb of God that John will point out. In other words, John is showing you the significance of the natural picture. He's showing you that's natural, this is spiritual. In other words, that, how it that which is natural first, then that which is spiritual. The Old Covenant had a natural tabernacle. The New Covenant has a spiritual house. The Old Covenant had a natural lamb. The New Covenant has a spiritual lamb. And so when you see those things, it starts to unfold what He's really trying to reveal and unveil to you as you begin to progress through the Word of God and start to get some revelation. And so, what we see here is that it's a powerful picture of creation and history, yes, but it is much even more a picture of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ as He is being unfolded as the one who in Him was life, and the life was the light of the world. Now, let me read again in, in verse 1, Gen- or John 1 In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him, without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John, and the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him. That I want, I want I want to get this verse, because there's a lot of stuff on the internet that I read sometimes that, that kind of bugs me. Uh, you know, when uh, people talk about some are included, some are not included in the redemptive work of, of Jesus Christ, what John's doing here in John 1 is taking it before the Abraham covenant, he's taking it before the Mosaic covenant, he's taking it outside of, it's just Jews that are included, and he's saying this is not just for Jews. The same came for a witness To bear witness of the light, watch this, that all men through him might believe. Now John said, He was not the light, was sent to bear witness to the light. That was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And he came unto his own, and his own received Him not. He came first of all to the Jews, His own, His own received Him not, but as many as received Him. See, that's why I believe there has to be still a receiving, not an achieving, but a receiving. We receive the gift of righteousness, we receive healing, we receive His salvation, especially if you read the book of Galatians, it is full of the key words, receive and achieve. Even when it comes to eternal life, He says in several places, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the issue here is inheritance is not something you earn. It's something that's given to you because somebody died and left it to you. Jesus came and died so He could give you this life that would become the light. I probably said this a little bit even in one of my segments when I was doing the series on the seven times that Jesus said, I am. And uh, in in that series I talked about Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that John 10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have more abundantly. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him. Again, see, believing and receiving, I believe, is really something we must not let go of. People need to receive and believe. That He said that whosoever believeth on Him may not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, uh, what we do is we read into those texts a lot of things that aren't in that text. He said that they might not perish, but have everlasting life. And we read into that a heaven-hell situation, which may be included. I'm not going to get into debates here. But what he's offering here is more than just a ticket. I'm going to say this powerfully today. is more than just a ticket to heaven when you die, or a get-out-of-hell-free card when you die. Now let me say, because we produce the gospel to how do I get from here to there when what God is interested in is how do I get what's happening there to operate here? He didn't say, I came to give you a ticket to heaven. He said, I came to give you a life. Now I didn't draw the chart and have it on the screen. I wish you would have today. We could have probably put it on the screen. But when I think about eternal life, let, let me say this. Let me preface what I'm about to say by saying this first. I believe that eternal life includes, listen, it includes going to Heaven when you die. That's that I, I want to settle that with you. I believe that's part of the package is redemption. And going to Heaven when you die. But see, most people today are not just looking for what it takes for me to get to Heaven, they're looking for this life that I'm talking about. Jesus came to give us a life and that more abundantly. And a life that would literally become the light. And so the life that he was living really became the light of the world. And one of the first things he does when he says, I am the true light, is right after the woman caught in adultery, he says, Neither do, I, neither do I condemn thee, go in sin no more. Now he's not releasing her to continue to commit adultery, but then he says right after that, I am the true light that came into the world, because what I want to do is release you from all kinds of bondage. Not just from the bondage of sin, but the bondage, one of the things he came to do was release them from the bondage of legalism and law and a religious system that was draining the life out of them, rather than giving them life. Because if I was put this graph on, uh, if I had the graph made up and could put it on the screen for you, we'll probably get something like that so we can do some of that as we go on. If I would do this, I would say eternal life again, first of all, includes going to heaven when you die. But Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and he said all of these that ha- things that happened to the children of Israel under Moses happened to them as examples. Examples for us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now if you just understand that Paul just said to the church at Corinth, not to the church at 2019 Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. He said that to the church at Corinth. He said we're the people upon whom the ends, plural, of the ages, plural, have come. And if I had had this on a chalkboard, I would draw a chalk, and I would take this circle, if you can see this circle, is the old covenant age. And then I would draw another circle, and I would say that's the new covenant age. And I would let these circles just overlap just a little bit, about 40 years, because that's about the length of a transition period between two ages was. And I would show you that the old covenant age, this first circle, old covenant age, the second circle, new covenant age, and right where these two ages converge, I would say this is the back end of the old covenant age, and the front end of the new covenant age, it is the ends of of the ages, back end of the old covenant age, and the beginning of the new covenant age. So when I'm thinking in terms of eternal life, I am thinking in terms of yes, it includes going to heaven, but it was not just going to heaven because the word eternal here is the Greek word aeonian or the age, and it is literally translated someplace places as age or ages, and he was talking about the life of the coming age. Now listen, while that includes going to heaven, there's a lot of people who are going to get, end up in heaven who are missing the life that was meant to be lived, in the life of the coming age in the mind of this first century Jewish people would be the life that Jesus defined. He said, this is life aeonian, or the life of the coming age. This is life eternal, that you would know God the Father and the Son, so the life of the coming age was a life lived in the context of sonship out of a father-son relationship. And when Jesus begins to introduce us, even in Matthew 11, especially in the Message Bible, I think what I'll do is run over there real quick and, and try to get this for you. But Matthew, the 11th chapter, it, he talks about it being a unique father-son operation. And uh, let me let me just run down here real quick and read it to you from verse 25, Matthew 11, it says, Abruptly Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and the know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus returned talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation. Now hear that. This is a unique father-son operation. Let me find my spot here now. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But watch this. But I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen It's a unique father-son operation, but Jesus said, I'm not going to keep it to myself. Man, one of my favorite songs right now that I just love, my son leads his worship song called Abba, I Belong to You. Because this new covenant is not about a slave master God who's going to slap you with a club or destroy you every time you turn around. It's about a father who loves you. Now it's a father that loves you enough to correct you, but not for His pleasure, but for your own benefit, He corrects. That's the new covenant concept of correction. Correction is all things are still done to edification, but He loves you enough to want to have father-son relationship with you, and maybe you didn't have a good father. But what? don't let that hinder you from allowing Jesus to go over it line by line with you. Because he goes on to say, I'm willing to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Now see, that's powerful. You'll recover your life. I have thrilled a many a crowd by preaching, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? And in the early days of preaching that, that's where I put a lot of strong emphasis because I believe that's where most people are at. That's why people are leaving the church by the droves these days. That's why there's more than a thousand ministers a day walking away from religion and from, they're walking away, and people think they're walking away from God. They're not walking away from God. They're walking away from religion, and some of them are going to run right smack dab into God because they're headed for chaos, but chaos is the end of what's not working anymore. I said on the last program. But it's the beginning of where God hovers and moves and light begins to come. But I I have thrilled many a crowd by preaching, are you tired, are you worn out, are you burned out with religion? And I think that speaks to so many people. But he says this then, don't stop there, please don't stop reading there. The next verse says, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. But here's the part that we miss a lot. Walk with me work with me watch how i do it learn the unforced rhythms of grace i have a book titled that right here that you can order by just simply going online the unforced it's from this text learn the unforced rhythms of grace i won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly he came to give us a life that would become the light used to think when I was growing up, you know in my my classical Pentecostal background, and let me say that I still appreciate and embrace Pentecost. There's just a lot of stuff that we preach back then that came from uneducated preachers that we named to send what even in the Bible. We send people to help for stuff we wouldn't even send them to jail for in America. So let's just kind of get over some of that. But I do say in respect to that I appreciate my Pentecostal roots and I appreciate the power of the Holy Spirit to transform and change lives. But I want you to see that what He begins to say here is that if you walk with me and work with me and see how I do it, you'll start to recover your life. You'll get your life back. And I used to think when, when people would say, you know, I used to hear, uh, you know, I think it was my mom would say, I, I saw a saint of God today at the grocery store. She'd, she'd get to testify about this at church. She'd almost get that little jerk on her, you know, and she'd say, I, 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 I saw a saint of God today at, 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 at the grocery store. And I knew she was a saint because of the glow on her face. And she said, what a testimony this woman of God was. And I'm thinking to myself as a young man, Mom, that wasn't a glow. That's a shine from not wearing makeup. You did not know her because of the glow on her face. You knew her because she was wearing the same clothes outfit you were. She had the same hairdo. And she had the same miserable look on her face that you have the longer you're in religion. And what you thought was a testimony to the world was not a testimony at all, it was repulsive. Because the world looked at that and says, you mean to tell me that your God makes you look like that? That you can't have the value of looking good and and dressing well? I'm I'm talking about modest apparel, yes. Not putting anybody down. And if God told you to dress a certain way, that's up to you. But the life that religion robbed us from is the life that Jesus wants to give back to us, and the life becomes the light. In other words, I believe that our life ought to be so powerfully wonderful that people will say, I want a life like that. I want a marriage like that. I want children like that. I want finances like that. I want health like that. That's the life that becomes the light. And I know I said some of this before on some of the programming earlier, but even when Jesus was, would declare, Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, not heaven, life. We quote that like, Well, straight is the gate, narrows the way that leads to life, or to heaven. But that's not what it says. Straight is the gate, narrows the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. For broad is the gate, wide is the door, that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. You've got to think in terms of a first century bunch of people who are standing here looking at this, 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 this way that Jesus is offering them. Because the straight gate and the narrow way is not performance Christianity. The straight and narrow was Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you come to me, you'll get your life back. You'll recover your life. But the broad way and the wide way is the religion that you're under that keeps on sucking the life right out of you. It's the one where you get tired and weary and burned out, and it's not much of a testimony to the world because it's always emphasizing what we're against and not what we're for. Christianity is noted for knowing what are we against. We know what we don't believe in, but most people don't know what they do believe in. I tell you this, I have found that what we thought was the straight and narrow is what Proverbs said, it was the way that seemed right to a man, and the end thereof were the ways of death. It didn't say the way that seemed wrong, it said the way that seems right. See, because the way that seems right is religion. It's the broad way. It is getting your act together. That when you get your act together, it's just an act. And there's no life in that. But when you learn how to live lightly and freely, Jesus said, come to me, all you hear, we're in heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is not talking to drug dealers on the street. If you look at the context of this, right above that, He begins to deal with these scribes and Pharisees, and He kind of really lays it on them. And then He stops in the middle of and says, listen man, this, what this is about is a father-son relationship. It's about receiving the life of of the coming age. What is the life of the coming age? Yes, it includes going to heaven. But it's also this incredible abundant life that Jesus was offering. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. What most people did was trade one set of stress and problems and bondages for another one. And I will say this, even in preaching the way I'm preaching today, don't trade your freedom from religion and the bondage of religion for the bondage of substance abuse or something else that will take your life on the opposite end of the spectrum. Because on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there is both good and evil. But both of them produce death, not the life of the coming age. But I am so passionate about seeing people get in relationship with Jesus where He says, I am not going to keep this father-son relationship to myself. I'm going to go over it with you line by line. It is a unique father-son relationship. Walk with me. Work with me. See how I do it. I'll teach you the unforced rhythm of grace. It's what the Apostle Paul called, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's walking in the Spirit, it's walking out of the relationship that you have with God the Father. And let me tell you something, that's something that you develop over time through relationship, and it's something we've never taught believers how to do. We simply give them the list of rules and regulations. Here's the mentality of most American Christians. Just give me the basic rules on what it takes for me to get to Heaven, and I'm happy. But you are living so far below the potential of what Jesus came to give you, and that was an abundant life on every level. And if you're satisfied with that, yes, you got your ticket to Heaven, wonderful. You get there, and He's going to say, boy, you sure missed a whole lot, a whole lot of life because it becomes a thief to you. And once again, I'm not talking about changing the bondage of religion for the bondage of substance abuse. This was talking about the life of the coming age, living life in the context of sonship, out of a father-son relationship, and living out of a spirit-governed life where the Spirit of God governs you. And it was not just for Jews, it was for Jews and Gentiles, because He tells you in John 1, He did this to include all men, that all men through Him, all men, not just just Jews, but not just one ethnic, group, but the whole, uh, the whole human family being brought into an entire new creation. And that's to me uh, God's ongoing mission is new creation. He did not come to make you the best version of you He could be. He came to make you the best version of the new creation, and that you would be like Him. And, and so you know, when, when John came, he said, I came to uh, bear witness to that light that all men through Him, that all men through Him might believe. He was not that light. John wasn't. He said He was not that light. He was sent to bear witness of light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came to His own, His own received Him not, but to as many as received Him. I still believe you need to receive. I, you still need to believe. But I don't think, that I, it's a shame that I've got to say that, but there's some stuff that's going on that people need to know. But as many as received Him, to Him He gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And John writes in the latter part of John, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that believing you might have life through His name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So He's going to set you up again for the contrast that what you see, He's addressing people again, saying uh, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, and no man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son of the Father, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him." And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask Him, Who art thou? This was what He said when they came to ask Him, Who are you? And He confessed and denied not, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked Him, What then? Art thou, Elias? He said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? He said, No. Then said they unto Him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to Him that sent us. And what says thou? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. We're out of time. This is the contrast between Law & Grace, New Covenant, Old Covenant. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, call the number on the screen, and someone will take your credit card or debit card. You can easily go on the website, and there's a place to give there via PayPal. You could also send a check or money order to the address that will come on the screen, and when you do that, it enables us to continue to take this kind of a gospel around the world, and we need your help to do that. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for your help. God bless you. I am very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the Gospel is not about a law you have to keep, it is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear, it is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules, it's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.